Our new lapel mic on its maiden voyage. With me at the helm, that, that's a scary thing. <laughs> All right. Ah. Oh. Um. We're gonna pray. We get into this word, and it just goes right along with everything we've been entering into with worship, which is always how it seems to work. When the Holy Spirit's flowing, He, he connects everything. Very seldom, if ever, except for maybe on a major holiday, do we connect the music and the messages. Um, God does the connecting, and it, it's fun. And one of the ways in which you go, oh yeah, that had to be Him, because I couldn't have made that connection. Lord Jesus, we bless you this morning. Lord, we give you our time, give you this fellowship, give you all that we are. We just thank you so much for the chance to come together for iron to sharpen iron, one to another, Lord. And uh, we just invite your presence. We ask you to breathe upon us and just do. Bless you, Jesus' name. Amen. Maybe this eventually, so better grab it. I want to invite you to, if you have your Bible or your Bible app, as many of you do, I want you to, if you would, open up to the book of Hebrews. Um, generally speaking, uh, as I'm preaching, if it matters to you, if you're looking to follow along word for word, I'm using the New American Standard Bible. Okay? Um, other versions are going to be similar, but sometimes uh, it's always nice to get that word word for word. So uh, I know uh, if you're unfamiliar with it, uh, the U version, it's an easy app you can download on your phone, and that has all the different versions. That's why I use a lot, because then I can flip between different versions, just to just to get another perspective, just another take on uh, how that person is is hearing that verse. Because it's uh, it's just like the colors of the rainbow, you know. There there's there's an expression, and it's all going to be, you know, it all comes from one source. The colors come from one source, right? Pure light, but through a prism or through the rain. Um, it's refractive, it looks differently. So, at any rate, we're using the new American standard. So, if you cut out in a few minutes, okay, there you go. So, if I cut out, don't panic. If I cut out at home, I hope you can release. So, we could have someone come up and do some interpretive dance, perhaps. Hebrews 10, 19-25 says this, Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he inaugurated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, 
having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. I want to begin with a story. In 1803, President Thomas Jefferson sent a confidential letter to the Congress asking for the sum of $2,500 to fund an expedition to the Pacific Ocean. The idea was to find a waterway by which the United States, which at that time, to give you a little visual, at that time was essentially the eastern half of the U.S., And his goal was to establish uh, and navigate uh, a navigable, navigatable trade route with Asia from what was then the U.S. Uh, all the way to Asia. It came known as Quest for the Southwest Passage, a waterway in which everyone was sure stretched across the continent from the Mississippi River to the Pacific Ocean. It was important not only for trade, but for the sovereignty and security of this fledgling nation as England continued to look for ways to undermine this imperfect yet God-ordained nation and keep it from thriving. On February 28, 1803, Congress appropriated funds, the funds requested for the expedition, and Jefferson's former secretary, now captain in the Army, Meriwether Lewis, was selected to lead the expedition. Lewis had military experience and discipline, but recognized that there was much more that he would need if he was going to lead the expedition. He had his starting place, but he knew that he would be that much would be required on such a journey. In answer to the need, Jefferson supplied. That spring, Lewis traveled to Philadelphia to study with the leading scientists of the day. He was taught map-making and surveying by Andrew Ellicott. He was tutored in botany by Benjamin Smith Barton, in mathematics by Robert Patterson, in anatomy and fossils by Casper Wistar, and in medicine by Benjamin Rush. He was given full access arsenal at Harper's Ferry and equipped with everything that he and his corps of men may need for the journey. Lewis knew his starting point. Right there, that red dot, the start of the Missouri River as it comes off the Mississippi, which runs down roughly that purple line. He knew his starting point. He knew that he lacked what was needed to be successful to accomplish what he was tasked to do, and that equally important as the geographical starting point was the starting point of reliance upon the one who had commissioned him to also equip him. 
Jefferson put him on what was thought to be an impossible task when it's all spelled out. But he didn't stop there. He said, I know you don't have what it needs. Let me give you the knowledge. Let me give you the education. Let me give you the instruments and the equipment. Let me give you the men. And then he sent them for. Our starting point is in Christ, as we said a few weeks ago. Every situation has an upgrade attached to it. The outcome is guaranteed by the starting place. Every situation is an opportunity to think brilliantly with the mind of Christ. The outcome of every situation is guaranteed by the starting place. Our starting place is always to be in Christ. What does it mean to be in Christ? You know, it's easy to say, and we read in the scripture, and we can say, yeah, that sounds good. This is what I need to do. What does it mean to be in Christ? I'd like you to look at those first few verses 19 through 23 in Hebrews 10 once again. I'm just going to reread it. It says, Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way in which he inaugurated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the, the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. The holy place which the writer of Hebrews is talking about, he's referring to the Holy of Holies. The Holy of Holies was the place where in the Old Testament in the temple or in the tent where the, pre, the high priest would go once a year and he would take he would take the blood of a pure spotless lamb right which is Jesus a foreshadowing of Jesus he would take the blood of a pure spotless lamb and he would go behind the veil behind the curtain and he would intercede on behalf of his people The high priest would pass through the veil in order to get into God's manifest presence. The, the Holy of Holy, Holies would house the manifest presence of the living God. It didn't contain him. But he was there. He met them there. He wasn't the full sum of God. We know there's no, there's no containing the living God. But they met him there. And a high priest would wear bells on the bottom of his robe. And uh, it's told that the, with the bells on the bottom of his robe, I'm, I may repeat myself a little bit as I cut it out, uh, just for the sake of recording and for people listening, so we don't have to do interpretive dance. Um, no, it's okay. It's part of the hiccups of a new sound system. I have no idea. <laughs> it's all right. Lord in part, grace to Russell. 
Amen. But when the high priest went in, he would wear, there were bells on the bottom of his robe, and it was said that they would tie a rope around his ankle. So that if he went in, right, and he met, of course, he's in the presence of the living God, and if those bells stopped jingling, things probably didn't go well for him. And so they had the rope that they could go, all right, let's pull, and they would pull him out. I mean, it was a big thing. It is a big thing to stand in the presence of the living God. There's a familiarity that we have with God, that he desires. We sing of him being our friend, and that is true. There's an intimacy which we have, and that he desires, but yet, there he's God. And especially in the Old Testament, we didn't have the blood of Jesus to pass through. And so things went wrong. You know, it, it's just like the priest who reached out to touch the ark. He was struck dead. So what would happen is if they had to pull someone out, they would then cast lots to see who the next high priest would be. How'd you like to be in that meeting? <laughs> but hey, Jedediah, let's, let's cast those, those lots. Oh no! Woo, he's still smoking. Uh, why don't you go? You can be the high priest. <laughs> not, not a favorable place in some instances. But we know this, that when Jesus died, the veil in the Holy of Holies was torn in two. When Jesus gave his last breath, right? The veil was torn in two, signifying that we now had access to the Father. Hebrews 4, chapter uh, 4 and verse 6. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16 says this, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace help in time of need. So now, by the blood of Jesus, through his death and resurrection, we have access to the Father. We have the forgiveness of our sins. We have Jesus cheering us on, literally cheering us on and interceding on our behalf with the Father to go beyond forgiveness and equip us for all that we're called to do and to be in life. And we have the Father listening to Jesus' intercession, right? He's saying, Son, I've been waiting to pour out this blessing upon them. And now you've made it possible. It would be my pleasure, Son, because I so love to bless my children. This is what Jesus gave us access to. The heart of the Father. The blessing of the Father, which he always desired to give. And didn't want to come through through the blood of goats and lambs and, 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 and so on. It's sacrifices. Jesus made that way. Romans 8, verse 32. 
Does he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? You see, this is our starting point. And whatever God calls us to do, the thing, the next thing that he's calling us to do, the thing that we're in the midst of, he's equipped us for. How will he not freely give us all things? If he's calling us, he will equip us. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. The things that are before you, the things that he's challenged you to do, the things that you're going, God, that sounds like a good idea, but why not have him do it? Ah, that's that's what sounds wonderful, but it's a little risky. I think so and so should do that. They're much better equipped for that than I am. Come on, I'm not the only one who's had those thoughts. We are recreated, born again, new creations in Christ by his death and the resurrection. And God has ordained good works, higher works, adventure. Good works. Literally, there's a translation that says better works. Okay? So even if you're in the midst of good works, it says he's ordained better works for you. Well, better is better than what you're currently doing. So there's always a challenge to go higher. There's always a challenge for more. God... I firmly believe this. And, and, and it may break down at some point, but God is not a God of complacency. Not that he doesn't love us the way we are, but because he sees us as we are, because none of us are walking on water yet, okay? There is always this call to higher. There's always a call for, for more. Of not being satisfied where you're at, but saying, all right, God, I was able to do good here. What's next? What do you want to what do you want to challenge me with? So like hearing his voice is so essential. Because we need to know what the better is. And if it sounds like it's impossible, pretty good chance it's him. Because our God is the God of the impossible. This is our starting place where we're called to hold fast to. To believe even when it doesn't feel true. Because it's just like the map that Lewis, uh, Lewis and Clark were commissioned to create. If you lose your starting place, if you go into uncharted territory, you no longer know where you are at and your way is lost. Let me say that again. You lose your starting place as you go into uncharted territory. You no longer know where you're at and your way is lost. See, that's an unfamiliar thought to most of us because we're used to Google Maps. We're used to walking on or being around familiar ground. We're used to having people around who know familiar ground. So very few of us have had that experience in this day and age of walking into an area or driving into an area and getting totally lost. 
But the things that God is calling us to is not the same old thing. It's always more. It's always better. It's always out of complacency. That's why he says we're called from glory to glory. Right? And so it's always uncharted territory. And so we can lose our starting place. Our starting place is in Christ Jesus. And the enemy will do everything in his power to move you out of that place. He wants you lost. He doesn't want you to accomplish the, the, the path, the mission, the thing that God has your feet, the path that he set your feet up, the thing that he's called you to do. This is your starting place. You are forgiven and made clean. You are commissioned by the King of Kings. You have access to all that you need. And he will equip you for the task. We're called to hold fast to our starting place. This is what this passage is encouraging us to do. Know who we are. Know who we are. Know that... I am forgiven and made clean to know that I am commissioned by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, Jesus the Christ. To know that I have access to all that I need. He's calling me to a thing. He's going to equip me. He's going to educate me. He's going to provide. For whatever that thing is. This is our starting You go into the rest of that verse, or those verses, in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. You move on. Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Some of you are saying, perhaps, what's the adventure? We're talking about going on an adventure. We're talking about God calling us to adventure. What's the adventure? The adventure is love and good deeds, love and good works, love of God, love of self, love of others. Romans chapter 11, starting in verse 33, says this, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments, how unfathomable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who became his counselor, or who? Who has first given to him that it might be paid back to him again? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. You want adventure? Try searching out the love of an unsearchable God. Try fathoming his unfathomable. Try fathoming his ways. Think about that. David was searching out God's heart and ended up slaying giants and eventually being king. That's really bad. 
best part. David was searching the unsearchable. David was searching something so vast, uncharted territory, the heart of God. And you may say, well, David, you know, I'm no David. Well, David was no David until God made him David. Before he was big David king, he was just David shepherd. He was the least in his family. He was doing the least liked job in his family. When Samuel came, his own father forgot he existed, or perhaps was too ashamed to bring him out. Rest his brother. Oh, you broke it. Yet David was out in the pasture searching out the heart of God. And God was saying, Look at David. Look at him. Look at him out there with those smelly sheep. Look at how he cares for them. Jesus, do you see what he's doing? Do you see how he's after my heart? God put his feet on the path of adventure. He put giants in front of him. Scripture tells us, who can know the heart of man but God? The psalmist says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and try me. I believe, oh, oh boy. Welcome back. I believe that it's possible to know our heart. I believe that's something we're called to. But it's an invention. To know our heart. Because deception is deceiving. Because there are any number of obstacles from an ungodly family culture, hurts and abuses by others, to ungodly soul ties, and the list goes on and on. The things that can hide us from ourselves. That can keep us from knowing the person, the amazing man or woman that God created to speak. But it's worth getting healed up. It's worth overcoming these obstacles. Know your own hearts. Because the way we come to love others is the foundation. Because the way we love ourselves is the foundation for the way we are called to love others. And has great influence on the good work we're called to do. Learning to love yourself. Thanks for Jesus' words. We're called to love our neighbor as ourselves. It's not the same as idolizing yourself. It's not the same as being selfish. Okay? Loving self simply this. It's believing all, all that God's word says about us and living from that place. That's love of self. That's a huge challenge for a lot of people. Because I'm telling you right now, a lot of the church doesn't walk in this. I'm not talking just here. I think many of us have a grasp of that, but, but there's still revelation upon revelation. There's still more going from glory to glory. That is an adventure. But here's the thing. The moment any adventure steps away from these three things, love of God, love of self, love of others, we've lost our way. We've lost our starting point. Then we're just doing a task. 
Now what did Jesus say? Say, in that day, he will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't I do this in your name? And didn't I do that in your name? And didn't I do this? And didn't I raise the dead in your name? And I'll say to them, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. It's not about the things that we do. We lose our moorings from the heart of God, the love of God, the entering into that relationship where we hear his voice, knowing who we are, learning, searching his heart for who we are, and loving others from that place. We're losing our way. And it's a lot of work. Adventures are fun, but they're a lot of work. Final part of that passage says, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. I don't know that this revelation, um, and you're nowhere, but I think this is revelation for all of us on, on some level. And it, and it continues to be a challenge as, as we engage in the body of Christ. We're designed to need each other. We don't always like needing each other. We don't always like being around each other. It's not necessarily just this group, but we're called as the body of Christ to be connected. You look in John 17, when Jesus has had the Last Supper with his disciples. And he's, he's teaching them. He's praying. And in his last prayer, three separate times, he prays, Father, that they may be one, even as we are. And again, that they also may be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you. And Father, draw them again in unity, that they may be one, just as we are one. This is the heart of God. That we know one another, that we love one another, that we work in unity and harmony, that we be dependent on the God, the big God who's living in us, as he works in and through you. I need what Kevin has. I need what John has. John needs what I have. Mary needs what I have. Gary has, and so on and so forth to need each other. It's why we are the body of Christ. This is why we're told not to forsake the assembling together. Not for the sake of duty. Going to church because I have to. Okay? But for the sake of survival and thriving. Going to church because I recognize my need for others. And I need others to complete this thing that God has set me set my feet upon, this path that he set my feet upon. Lewis and Clark didn't just go off by themselves. They went off with about 45 men. All but one returned. And they leaned upon each other and they found people along the way who helped them. Sacagawea was one of them and her little baby. And I know there were others and I don't know the fullness of the story. The baby's name was what? Pom? Pom? Or Pop? Pom. 
on Pompon. Oh, Pompon Circus or Pompon. <laughs> no, the Greek hands. On May 14, 1804, these 45 men, led by Meriwether Lewis and his former commander and friend William Clark, began moving up the Missouri River in search of the Southwest Passage. By late July in 1805, the party reached the Beaverhead Rock, just north of the present Dillon, Montana, and decided to scout ahead. So they made it, let's see, oh. Is dead. This should not be. <laughs> Russell's working so hard. I make it look terrible. All right. Is it working now? Maybe it'll work now. I don't know. Oh, there we go. Look, there it is. Did Second I, dot up there. Don't, don't look at it. Don't touch it. <laughs> If anybody just lost internet connection, I just turned off low-band Wi-Fi in this room, and it actually seemed to fix it. Well, there you go. I had to break one thing to fix another. Sometimes that happens. And now you're ringing, because you have to enough connection, you can actually keep that. Right. So by late July, he made it to the second dot. Okay. And they decided to scout ahead. By August 12, 1805, Lewis ascended the final ridge of the Continental Divide in the Lamai Pass, which is the present-day border between Montana and Idaho. And as they neared the crest, Lewis expected to see plains on the other side, with a large river flowing down into the Pacific Ocean, the Southwest Passage, right? Instead, what he found was that there was no water route to the Pacific Ocean, only more mountains. Having discovered what they thought to be true, the existence of a Southwest Passage, in fact, did not exist. They continued onward over land and came to the Pacific Ocean by November of that same year. On September 23, 1806, two years and four months after they began what was expected to be a year-long expedition, two years later, Lewis, Clark, and the company returned to St. Louis for the journey had begun. It is estimated that the party had traveled 4,162 miles from start to finish. On Monticello.org, in the retelling of the story, The Journey West by Lewis and, uh, Lewis and Clark, it's written that President Jefferson's instructions to Lewis were so extensive as to be almost impossible to fulfill. Sounds familiar, right? Yet, he viewed the expedition as a tremendous success. The discoveries made by the explorers changed the vision for this young country. No water route to the Pacific was found, but accurate and detailed maps were drawn. Peaceful contact was made with Native American tribes, and trade was discussed. The body of knowledge added to the scientific community proved to be truly invaluable and vast reaches Of North, of North America had been explored. Lewis and Clark's voyage of discovery turned out to be one of Thomas Jefferson's most enduring legacies. 
Here's the thing about adventure. It's not going to go as planned. Proverbs tells us man makes his plans, but God orders the steps. Inevitably, there will be roadblocks. But if you have your moorings, if you have your starting point, you know who you are in Christ, and you're depending upon and you're leaning upon those that he's surrounded you with, it's going to be easy to go, all right, no more boats. Let's find a horse. Okay, let's walk. Okay, where do we go from here? Because it's not always going to be clear cut where God's leading you. But if you have your starting point, you have your success, you will get to where you're called to go. And it will be a success in the Father's eyes. Even if you don't see everything. We need to trust that if we're, uh, trust if what we're called to do in the moment. Oh, I can't read my notes. Too many typos now. We need to trust that whatever he's called us to do in the moment is what he's called us to do, and that's the next thing we're called to do, and that it's going to work out for his glory. And while we may not always see what's going on, there's a purpose beyond what we can see. So, God is good. This is the adventure. It's love of God. It's learning, love of self, getting healed. And it's learning to love each other. And from that, as we search out God's heart, as we get into His Word, as we sit and listen for His still, small voice, if you haven't experienced adventure, just wait. Because He's going to call you to something more. He is calling you to something more. We're called to stimulate one another to love and good works. Love and good works is always adventure. If it looks like the same old thing, then you're probably not getting stimulated to the right thing. Because there's always more. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, I hope that made sense in the midst of distraction. (laughs) I was expecting the roofers to be the distraction. They were pretty quiet. We'll try to work through the rest of this stuff before we do another live stream because I've probably uh, I've been in and out for those people. But apologies for anyone listening. We'll get that worked out before next week. So once you stand with me, we'll pray and then we'll dismiss. Papa, we just thank you that we are found in you. And Lord, we just pray for greater revelation being in you and what that means. We pray that you would confirm this word throughout the week, Lord Jesus, and that you would help us to hold fast to our moorings, hold fast to our starting place of being in you. 
Lord, we pray that you would connect us even more so to those that you've placed in our lives to help with the adventure, to help with the thing that you call us to do and to be. That you would open up the, the doors of communication. Lord, that you would heal us from the things that we don't need to hold on to, the things that keep us from knowing you, the things that keep us from knowing ourselves and who you created us to be. We just ask that you would come and, and work and move and have your way in our lives. And we give you all the glory and the honor and the praise, and we look forward to the testimonies which would come forth as we continue to press into this. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, be blessed. Have a wonderful week. If anyone is in need of further prayer for any reason, please, I'll come to you. Or you can come up here and we can do that. Um, otherwise, y'all have a wonderful week.